How are you? Fantastic. I think you're already back to school, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are back to school. We're still, we still have two to three weeks before school starts. So, um, summer vacay mode, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, not really. Working hard and um, finally booked a little uh, trip to Canada. Mm. Coming up the not the, the weekend before Labor Day. Mm. Yeah. So so you know I'm kind of excited for that. How long? Just just for the um. So <laughs> we're gonna drop off um. Ruse uh kind of. He's in a house this year, so he's going on to his third year. So we're going to bring up a mattress from home. Mm. Uh, we're going to kind of like lug it up up north on our Prius. Um, and then we'll drop it off and then just keep on going because he's pretty much close to the Canadian border. Mm. Um, so it's just like good, like, you know, kill two uh, birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how's the um, middle school transition? Good. She's uh, enjoying. I'm excited. It's funny because, yeah, like there's like, what, a thousand students or something? Uh, Well, her class had over 200 students for one grade, which for me was, and for her, a big jump because elementary school's population is like 250 200 like just shy of 300 so yeah you know that's a big jump in terms of class size you know it is it's funny because it's everything is in perspective because i feel like my kids more than 200 students per 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 grade for sure and then high school, I don't know, high school number is top of mind right now. It was like mm. 1,500 students. 1,500? Total, right? Though. Total, total. No, total for the senior class. 1,500? Am I totally like, I don't I, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very, yeah. I can't wrap my head around what what that experience feels like. I mean, the only closest thing that I can relate to is our college, right? Like, I don't even know how big Brown. Um, that's the, the only frame point of reference in terms of like a big school like that for us, right? Because Saison is that was such a small, such a small school. Um. Yeah. I know. I I hear you. I guess because I've I I had two college kids who just I mean, because I went through the passage before you, <laughs> like the, <laughs> the the twenty six students reference is like is ancient. Yeah. So, but anyway, as different experience, you know. Um. um but she's excited and um, going well so far. So, so far, so good. She's had yeah, already a whole week. So. Yeah, that's amazing. 1,766 students. 
<laughs> graduating class, yo. <laughs> well, but I guess uh, the one that Mia just graduated from. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. But, you know, yeah. I guess my point um, it is Dick Guy, but you you know you create your own right friends circle of friends so it's not like you know it's actually it's it is interesting for you and I like there's no way that we wouldn't have not known a student you know like we we knew all about them versus like yeah no I never met you before or, oh really you were you were in the same class <laughs> it's a conversation that happens but anyway mm. tell us our listeners who uh what we're about <laughs> Thanks for joining us, listeners. Uh, Nauko and Nauko, two women paying attention to the details of ordinary life. And our friendship spans three decades, two countries, and now two cities, San Francisco and the greater Seattle area. We're wives, working mothers, and feminists in our 40s. And nowness is just us showing up to connect and to recalibrate our voices and stories um, so we're ready to show up today. Yeah, we're ready every day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for those listeners who listen, tune into our previous episode, which is um, so-called season three for us. And it, we kind of opened it up with quite a few amazing, inspiring topics. Um, and so we thought we would have the secondary kind of pivot from pivot or extend that conversation as Nauka and I were going to do some of a little bit of homework on listening to each other's recommended podcasts um, and share our, you know, high level, you know, what, what resonated with us. Mm-hmm. So step right in Nauka. Yes. Yeah. The, podcast that I'm still loving and still learning from and listening to is the podcast the man enough podcast with guest Alok Vaidmenon I hope I'm pronouncing their name correctly and the episode's title is the urgent need for compassion and so even before we decided decided to do this deep dive the podcast in my mind was so good. I asked my husband or my partner, Tim, to watch it with me. And so we did that, which was great. Great conversation starter. And then for our prep for our conversation, I listened to it again. And for me, I really rely on like transcripts when they're available for podcasts. And for this one, they don't offer podcasts. So... I was taking notes, but it's very close to transcription because I feel like their statements and what they had to have to offer. So much knowledge, historical context. Um, So for me, everything they shared was resonant. It resonated with me and it was like the um, podcast hosts were saying mic drop every time, you know. So I thought it was interesting that they opened the conversation with, can you tell us the last time you didn't feel enough? And Alok's response was, I have a daily relationship with a sense of inadequacy, which really like so powerful and so honest. So I think throughout the conversation, 
I really, really deeply appreciated their vulnerability, of course, and generosity with sharing their story. But really, um, the honesty, right? Their, their lived experience is from really painful experiences and facing that and being kind of brutally honest about it. Um, and the mic, I'll open it up and then pass it to you on terms of if you have any thoughts, but I wrote this because it was so good. Um, they say, not only am I not, not only am I enough, but the very system that has and weaponizes a criteria that would that's not a system that I'll ever let evaluate me again. That I found very profound. So tell me, like, I guess we're just going to step back a little bit because there are going to be listeners who aren't going to be listening to um, our uh, our previous episode, although we highly encourage it, where we talk about Aloka a little bit more. Um, right. And those, they're going to be there's for this episode who um or actually all listeners who you know are just going to be interested in listening to nowness <laughs> and really cross-reference um their their podcast or video you mentioned so i think it's good to just share um and i listened to um the recommended one but you know yeah, there's there's a couple of um podcast so I'm not sure if I listened to the one that you recommended but I think I did because it was the urgent need for compassion and mm -hmm. that is what really resonated with me at the at the end of um that podcast but anyway Alok is mm -hmm. someone who identifies non-binary mm -hmm. and is become because of the uh, just um you know the pain that you mentioned that he's gone through um, he grew up in, uh, Texas. They, I, I don't know if it was Austin. Oh, sorry. They, they grew up in t Texas. See, <laughs> this is what happens. Um, they grew up in Texas. I think it was Austin or somewhere anyway, in a, um, and pretty much has gone through, just hasn't belonged period. Hasn't belonged with his with their own family um and growing up and has been bullied throughout school um and because of that pain i feel like people who go through so much um intense pain or anything extreme you become mm. more um just to go through the pain you go through your right therapy or reckoning of what it is your reason for living i think it's as visceral as mm. uh living for alok um because mm. i i think they share stories about suicide um what have you so just add to that that's what i remember i listened to this podcast a few weeks ago mm. with my actually mm. on on our commute to work um mm. So it's quite intense, but I that's what I remember. Hmm. Um, and then the other point that I wanted to make was, 
usually this kind of hard work doesn't come out of the it's really a years and years of practice hmm. and i think what resonated was the fact that he had a very supportive aunt who is i think um quite well renowned within the um raising lgbtq rights hmm. in the i think it's the 80s if not the 70s hmm. is what they had as a role model so i thought that was a, a i mean they say alok says that uh without her i would not be here today hmm. so what resonated for me is like there's always someone not always but the people who are influential or what have you have role models and then i mean even to us you know we may not be influential <laughs> we're just having a casual conversation together but there are people who fought for us to exist you know we're both in interracial marriages mm-hmm. that would be possible because of those who came before us and who fought for those rights there we have credit cards in our name as women because there are those who came before us there we can vote now because of those who came before us so that was kind of the things that resonated with me is like man like alok is you know had if if it wasn't for the aunt alok may not have been here today mm-hmm. um and anyway so that that's just like a intro we're at an intro level <laughs> Yeah, I'm wondering if I missed that or if it was elsewhere you um the story of the aunt. Oh, cuz I don't remember. Just yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um Alok's aunt is Urvashi Vade was a lesbian activist. Hmm. who died of cancer and all of it um alok mentions without her fighting for social justice hmm. um yeah oh well good i'm glad i could uh, share something new here <laughs> yeah i mean the the podcast is so deep the conversation is so deep i mean it really intersects with my own personal experiences as well as the kind of intense and intentional learning I've been doing on DEI, right? The things that we, you and I often speak about. Um, so a couple of things that I wrote that really, um, you know, often come up, I think, in the DEI work about, you know, the one thing that they said about, um, I think one of the hosts asked, you know, how can how can I learn to help you, right? Like, how can I learn to care more about the LGBTQIA plus community? And Alok's response was, you know, at the end of it all, you know, it was a great response. And the question they said they want to reframe is not, can you, how can you help me get free? And if people are ready to heal, you know, um, that resonated with me because I think oftentimes um, we don't even get to that point to get to the root of the pain. A lot of these racial justice issues, these gender 
issues, identity issues. Um, and the one other, there's so many things that resonated, but one that they, all of them spoke about was this focus on comprehension, not compassion. And that, you know, they said, why do you need to understand me in order for you to say I shouldn't be experiencing violence, right? And so the framing of I don't get it as a shield for saying that I can't care or I don't, um, I think is so pertinent to what we see often in, you know, in workspaces too, when we have talk about these conversations, um, that it's not about comprehension, we really need to shift the focus to compassion. Like, why do you have to understand me in order for you to care that I shouldn't live, um, you know, free of violence? It's a very fundamental humanistic, it bring, boils it down to the human, humanity issue, um, away from the kind of smokescreen and emotional kind of reactiveness to these such um, critical issues. Yeah, I'm kind of pivoting from what you're just saying is I remember um, the interviewee, just kidding, interviewer asking Alok how it was like if the final question was like, how do you deal with criticism? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where he just... He, not he, it's a look. They, excuse mm. me. This is a great training exercise for me because um, it's still new for me, right? To talk non-binary. Anyway, um, how do I deal with criticism? Uh, and this is where the compassion came came, came out, the compassion mm. and um, of years of training. And really it's about, and, and to what you said, it's a little different, but the people who give criticism are the ones who not who are not free, who are not liberated. Right. So it's about you know showing compassion. It's just phenomenal. It's to really just show love and compassion is the only way. Yeah. It's the only way for uh, to be free from yeah. violence. Yeah. Essentially, that's what Pema Shantram says too. Got it? Right? Or no? Yeah. Okay. I think fundamentally, yeah, those, um, I think there is an overlap or, um, well, it's really a universal, I don't mean to dismiss Yeah. Love is universal. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, just what are your, is that obviously you took more notes than me. <laughs> so now what Nako is saying is more, <laughs> it's deeper. You need to pause, like listen, pause, digest. <laughs> yeah. There's so much to unpack and, um, yeah. So many, so many. Well, even just what you just said, why? 
the first one that you said about, I mean, the, the one that you've just highlighted inadequate um, on inadequacy is like, I, I mean, I'm personally, I'm not trying to put myself at the same level, but from human, from a human nature perspective, I, I feel like, and I don't think I'm the only one um, that I feel inadequate every day that I feel like I'm false, that I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I'm living a fake life. There's a little bit of that. Yeah. I think what's that, that's exactly what they're saying. This whole mentality, you know, this scarcity mindset, um, just the system, right? The, the system that, makes us feel like we have to be a certain way how we should be and we need feel or you know change ourselves to fit a specific thing category or you know that the fact that we can name it right and be aware of it is i think powerful to then resist and fight right because That's freedom. That's another thing that they spoke about, you know, um, are you fighting for freedom or are you fighting for privilege? And most people are not fighting for freedom, right? All of our freedom. People, their activism, you know, is really about proximity to power right? They want to they're, they're fighting for privilege, not freedom. That was I mean, just a powerful statement that we're I think I'm aware of, but when you put it so clearly like, what I appreciate so much about Alok is their ability to clarify the complex issues so that when I'm listening to them speak, it seems so clear to me. And yet when I'm trying to have this conversation, I'm like, oh, it, I feel like I complicate things in my own mind when I'm trying to grapple with the issues. And of course, they clearly have grappled and reflected and clarified where they stand when it comes to these all of these issues that really impact and harm us as women of color um well he's they oh my gosh i can't get it um alok has shared that he has suffered since like being born um in, in in the podcast and and the auntie was um a role model but alok is probably in early 30s late 20s but i remember what resonated the most is alok is so eloquent and so articulate that there is no it, it's almost like in in the english language every single word chosen is there is no wasted words hmm. and 
resonated to me was that Allah had to prove Allah's identity from little child. Hmm. Um, because they wasn't seen. And so they weren't seen mm. um, and had to, and that's like his every day. So it's like every day must be so tiring. Um, and, 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 and I remember, you know, Alok sharing, you know, he went, Alok sharing, going to UC Berkeley and uh, graduating, I think, valedictorian, uh, maybe graduating valedictorian from high school. And then even valedictorian from UC Berkeley, because Alok had to prove, prove mm. that Alok's life matters. And, mm. and then I just, I just, it just, I just, I just wanted to cry um, mm. when Alok shared all of that. It's like, and and that's that's a little bit on what. Uh, we share as in some ways, um, you know, people of color or being a woman also is the system, you know, has made people of less privilege have to work harder than anybody else to even get to where, I don't know, for equity, to fight for equity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, they said that it was a trauma response. I'm more and more curious if we saw the, if we listened to the same podcast or not, because we didn't, because the auntie is explained in the very beginning. Oh, so it's not the same. And, and you've already listened to uh, your podcast like twice, right? Yeah. With, it's okay. with I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, uh, in the episode, they talked about graduating Stanford. So maybe he, they went to both, <laughs> both top schools, but they talked about that being a trauma response of having to prove oneself, you know, being excellent in every way, being the most read, being the most knowledgeable, um, but knowing that it's never going to be enough because of what they look like. And that's, you know, similar experience for us too, right? As women and people called women of color. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the compassion piece, you know, um, is really critical and how you get to compassion, right? Like the conversation that I listened to, the acknowledgement that hurt people hurt people Mm -hmm. You saying that, you know, when people go through pain, unfortunately, it's not necessarily the case that they learn from that pain and so and, and ensure that they do not inflict that same pain to other people as they, you know, move through this world and navigate different systems. Um, right. I think we have to be mindful especially as we um, in the professional or work field of working up, right? Like if you were to, as you grow within a field that you don't 
do what was on done to you. You know what I mean? Like, um, so what it what does that require for you to a be aware of your in ways that you may be causing harm? So I think it requires one to be reflective, right? And examine one's own actions and choices. Unfortunately, I don't think we need more people like Alok. Sorry, you're, yeah, I stand corrected. It's Stanford. Mm. Great California institutions. <laughs> um, absolutely. Oh, so the quote is, the way we heal pain is not by transmitting it, it's by transforming it. Mm -hmm. So your pain is valid, but your use of that pain, your weaponization of that pain to harm other people, that's not valid. Yeah. And we have to call people on it, right? But because of power structures and so forth, like we don't, we stay silent. Um, and I think we need to build community so that, um, yeah, I don't, I, we need to interrupt that kind of silence. So what do you, yeah, I'm actually going to pivot to renegades born in the USA, mm. because believe it or not, there are, there are some things I actually do want to kind of pivot into topics. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, the foundational toxic max masculinity definitely yeah. overlaps, right? I mean, exactly. And they define what they actually in one of their episodes, they actually define in their perspective, what toxic masculinity is. Mm. And I, I think that's where because they have such grand followers and their respective, you know, one as a, you know, former president, one as is, you know, just popular musician, one's white ones, you know, black he yes uh is there's a there's there's you know both of them were fatherless and mm. both of them lived through the i mean a de actually a decade difference um mm. their worlds couldn't have been far more different because one grew up in new jersey in a small town in new jersey and one grew up internationally right through mm -hmm. with interracial parents with respective two respective backgrounds but they share the fact that their fathers left them. And I think there is a truly epidemic uh, issue of fathers not being present. Um, I witness it through like my husband's um, side of the family. Um, and I, I can name, you know, personal, you know, just in my circle of friends uh, of not having and I, and, and, and I, and I, what, how I deal with it is through empathy because we're only human, right? Nobody teaches you. I mean, what, what is, what is that? It goes back to what's the social construct, um, you know, Western culture, Asian culture, whatever culture, mm -hmm. there's something about right toxic masculinity. And I don't think men have had the opportunity. I'm not trying to make it into a monolith. But I don't think men have had the opportunity to to even share the pain and then let mm -hmm. alone, you know, you I think you're absolutely right on quoting a lock on transforming. 
There is no place for transformation if you can't go deep into your past and really understand what's in your past, whether it's your childhood. And then there's that generational trauma that we carry, mm-hmm. whether, whether visceral or, you know, like we carry it through the DNA or right. whatever. Right. So I, I have a lot of, I, I am a little conscientious these days on, yes, it's a, you know, it's about the, the social construct has been about white men um, and the privilege sure sure let it be but I actually don't think you know just even if if we're on the topic of white men have had the opportunity to um really just disrupt um I mean just just be human in a way and I think Mm -hmm. that's a lot of the reason because there's the pressure I think because there's a social pressure of let it, I don't know, like, you know, being the breadwinner, um, being tough. Um, I don't know all the social constructs that I, I think Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama actually, <laughs> they actually touch upon it really well as men themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was amazing that they're vulnerable enough to share that. And, um, and, and, and it's like, it's not okay. And, and like, they're too charismatic men in their own realms but they're also being vulnerable to share their uh, you know the that they're not perfect um mm-hmm. and that it's not right the social constructs is not right um mm-hmm. so anyway that's what i loved about renegades and you know i'm i i, I feel a lot of um empathy Really, empathy is the only, is the first first point of entry um, to understand that everybody has their human humanness. So, how do we get through it um, if we're going to transform ourselves? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I listened to two of the episodes you highlighted. And one of it, I don't know which one it was, but uh, I printed, they have, that show has trans um, part about ghosts and ancestors. And um, it's part of the conversation. So hopefully it'll make sense. Bruce, Bruce says, but like you say, quote, we end up wrestling with ghosts, end quote. The trick is you have to turn your ghosts into ancestors. Ghosts haunt. Ancestors walk alongside of you and provide you with comfort and a vision of life that's going to be your own. My father walks alongside of me as my ancestor now. It took a long time for that to happen. So that must be the um, the fatherless, like the that episode. They're talking about their fathers, huh? Really resonates with me. I mean, my parents are still alive, but I've been very intentional um, it's taken a long time too, right? Um, and I think these things, these experiences and healing journey is one that you can't rush and force. It's time. And for me, I think I'm able to, should anything happen, like 
I, I won't know until it happens, but I, I'm pretty confident that they'll be my ancestors, right? And not a ghost that will haunt me because I've done the active work. The past, I don't know, intent, really deep work in the last 10 years. Um, but it's a choice too, because I think oftentimes, like Alok says in their stories about And if, if you're not, not ready, if you can't feel through the pain, if you don't have the courage to face the pain. And oftentimes I think it's just out of fear we avoid or, and people don't share enough about their stories and experience of facing pain and what the outcome, like what it. Information, uh, and it's kind of, so, yeah, I just hope people will give you know, courage a chance and really face the pain because avoiding it really just uh, delays the healing process, you know. It's very, 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 very difficult. <laughs> I'm just thinking with kind of for so you know it's yeah I just want to it tears me up actually mm. the ghost and ancestor part mm. and I think this is where I kind of can empathize with a little bit and I apologize if I'm empathizing <laughs> the one's asking for my empathy like in terms of I think I shared a long time ago there's okay what's what's her name um what's her name a Caucasian comedian came out with a Netflix Netflix show and uh Tiffany Haddish is one of the guests Hmm. And um, it was like, how would you know? She's obviously has uh, slavery in her uh, in her ancestors, hmm. and it's like for the first time when she said, um, "How do you know?" Because it's not like I can do twenty three and Me and find out who my you know ancestors are or what have you, because I was taken my people were taken away out of hmm. with with no just taken right. and so it is extremely difficult to track your past hmm. you know these you know this whole people who can do their whole ancestry and genealogy and what have you and it's what a privilege it is to be able to find who your ancestors are even if you don't know who they are right hmm. and that was like the first point that empathize with what it meant to be um potentially taken away and not understanding who you are like you can't even understand who you are if you don't know what your past is right mm. but you don't have a choice so for me right who's adopted i don't know like yeah my my it's disrupted it's completely disrupted and i'm like blind but to so those are the moments um mm. so 
So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to answer your, on, on like, yeah, ready to face the pain and face the fear and, and go through the difficult work because mm-hmm. for those, you know, for those who ha- don't have visibility to our immediate past, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, you got to do the work. It's like, you may have to learn a new language. You may need to translate, you know, what you have in English to a different language. And then you have to go far across the oceans. And like, where do you start? Like, it's a lifetime. And you probably Mm. won't have, you know, closure. Many people won't have closure. But what do we believe in? And what do we what do we take is we take hope, like hope. Mm. And, and, you know, it's like, you have to, you have to take the um yeah hope and then and then the difficult it's difficult work it's just difficult (laughs) logically or logistically or what have you so um I guess my hope starts with this is what I know this is what I don't know and I want to pass on the hope and positivity for the next generation hmm I guess coming to terms with like that's very different, you know, you and I have very different stories, but for me coming to terms with um, what is and what the limited things that I know about my family too and heritage and um but that that that's okay. I think for the longest time, I felt shame or at least something less than for not knowing my family's stories, right? Like the lack of stories. But again, that's some other voice telling me that we need family stories in order to be enough or of worth. But um shifting back to what is and what I know is enough and and what I can pass on to my family right my daughter is what I you know I'm not yeah so I think for me hope is waking up to my own power and waking up and claiming my own stories not the ones that I inherited as trauma and baggage and really differentiating experiences of my parents that's their stories not mine um and really being present with what I can create and co-create with my partner what I we can co-create with Mina it's part of you know our family that's kind of life life um that gives me a sense of feeling alive right and that's and a lot talks uh, talks about that when one of the hosts asks about um like what to do about their kids how to and the thing that resonated with me and I want to keep that front and center as I um you know this critical part point in 
parenting when I have what eight more years until they she goes off to college like time goes by so fast but they say Alex Alok says the danger becomes when we're determining who our kids should be for them we must raise our kids honest which means checking in are you comfortable wearing this with this name what do you what do you want to do your child is co-authoring that with you um yeah and they say that they never asked me who i was they assumed constantly and that's one thing i i can say i probably have done in the past in terms of what i inherited or even living just in society right what parents have are expected our roles and but disrupting that and really being intentional about um, naming it when those things show up in, right? Um, yeah, it's so much of what we've learned from these systems, whether it's gendered, um, binary, ways of thinking, you know, sexism, racism, all these systems, systems of oppression and the ideologies behind it um, show up. So it takes vigilance to um, be aware of it, name it, and then do the best you can in every moment to change it. But that's, that's how we that's part, part of being human is what I appreciate Alok sharing that that's what love is. Love is showing up and trying to understand, trying to do better um, and continue. Right. <laughs> when you I'm curious when you were listening to the podcast with your son did mm -hmm. conversation after or in the moment or it really didn't actually it it didn't I I, I think it's more a, a generational and I'm like hey but today <laughs> As you can see, I'm still learning the pronouns um, and how to use it in my um, right in, in conversation is it's not. Um, and I think maybe being in Washington state, a fairly liberal state, hmm. um, they already talk about this in high school hmm. of conversation. I mean, they see it every they have yeah they they've so it's not it wasn't really <laughs> new to my 20 year old i'm like okay okay i got you because <laughs> he'll, he'll be correcting me so that's that's mm. promising to see though um both yeah it's not i was like okay okay i got it so that's that's very i'm excited to see but i think it's because we're privileged to be in a in a in a in a generally a, you know even in my little neck of the you know 
social construct, like people are having conversations to to disrupt. So I, I'm sure California is very similar. We're we're very blessed. I'm sure if we lived in a different um yeah, like where where I lived in Georgia, I don't know if these conversations would be happening, quite mm. frankly. Mm. But um yeah. Yeah, but it is concerning mm -hmm. in terms of like where politics and the policies and all of that that's happening as we speak, right? Um, that's trying to infringe on trans rights, women's rights, all of these things are kind of backtracking. Um, and so what is it going to mm -hmm. require for us to not lose, lose sight and keep our focus um, I mean, I feel like I haven't really done enough or, you know, so I got to learn more in terms of how I can, like you say, California and where you are, we're kind of, I guess, more progressive in terms of our policies, but, but other places, not so much, right? Like, and those are going to affect impact. All mm -hmm. of us. We need to kind of connect the dots and not be like arm's length about that's not my problem or, you know, because they will find ways to impact directly in some way, shape or form. And so kind of being aware of that interconnectedness of not just the US too, but I mean, ah, oh, there's so much work. Well, no, I, yeah, no, it's absolutely right. I think it's a wake up call for, for those of us who took it for granted, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, I mean, the writing was on the wall mm -hmm. and make a difference in the, in the, in the bad way. But this, this kind of goes back to your conversation though. I, I, you know, politics is politics and policies are policies and, you know, continue to be non, you know, continue to study and, and, and do good and, you know, have the difficult conversations. It's like, I don't want to be in the conversation of like, he said, she said, they said that, this said that, I agree, I disagree or I disagree, but I hope to, you know, we kind of touched upon this on the cancel culture episode mm. that we did earlier on. But I am so not part of the cancel culture. I think it is extremely important for this techie generation, this social media generation, these smartphone generations to not forget the importance of having human conversations. Mm. And if you disagree, you agree to disagree, right? You're not going to, I think that's the ultimate thing is listen, listen, hear that person out, yeah. but don't cancel them. Right. And, and that's the divisive, divisive world, at least in the United States that we live in. And that is goes back to the renegade podcast. Now that I remember <laughs> um, is is the 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 need for unity is ever more prevalent now. Hmm. And, you know, if you get overwhelmed, you know, it's, it's extremely to get overwhelmed. But it's like one person at a time, one community at a time. Right. One team at a time. Um, is to choose your, choose the battles. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I am totally pivoting. <laughs> Hopefully we've had a lot of nuggets to um, think through, but I am pivoting to your pizza because we talked oh. about pizza um, in our last episode and you're making pizza again. And it's hilarious because last night I just put frozen pizzas in the oven <laughs> and we had pizza for dinner. But you have homemade pizza dough made and you're going to stick it in the green oven. Yeah. Yeah. So we <laughs> haven't been, we've been, you know, relying on non-pizza for. And I used to make this pizza dough often before. So, but we haven't been in a long time. So it's for me and us to make fresh pizza dough um i like this new york times uh recipe since the like three four hours because there are recipes that require like 12 to 24 hours of rest overnight um so and this is fairly simple it uses flour and uh the one unique Ingredient is zero. Again, Italian specific for pizza. Um, and then active yeast and lukewarm water and olive oil. So it's ready now. I don't know if uh, Tim has already started building. Of course, he yeah, the green, green, yeah. the green egg. The green egg has been, um, I guess it has to get really hot. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's been heating for an hour to get to like that 500, right? Kind of like. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, so we'll see. We're very excited because this is our first, first time to do a pizza in the green egg. Whoa. Thanks to Naoko. Shout out to you. <laughs> We inherited the green egg thanks to you. Well, you guys were the right people. I'm just stewarding the, you know, we did not, we couldn't have um, made justice to that. And you're totally, it's so wonderful that you guys are. So, I mean, especially, yeah, Tim is just, like, he was the perfect person. <laughs> half of the, of course, half of the battle was to get it down there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's heavy. It's heavy. That's that thing is heavy. Yeah. Um, that's great. So that's our our dinner tonight. Um, we like for toppings um, sausage and cremini mushrooms, and of course cheese. We only because of me, but I think we also have um uh parmesan so i'm sure mina and tim would like to have add <laughs> too so you don't like parmesan um starting to be okay when we put it on like something roasted and it becomes that burnt brown you know like nanake what is that french onion soup often has that kind of cheese right in even in japan so i've i've eaten it before and um i've yeah i'm starting to or learning to enjoy it um 
now more than before. Yeah, but I can't mm -hmm. just like eat it straight. It's too mm. for me. But if it's and, on like a pizza or something. Oh, uh, the ano so red the, wine, red wine and parmesan goes really well together. Right now. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. I know I'm missing out for sure. No, that's fine. <laughs> I'm just I'm just making fun of no I'm not making fun of you I'm teasing you because you've been like that since grade school yeah <laughs> okay and what's on your dinner menu I'm making turkey burgers mm. turkey burgers are lovely do you have you made turkey burgers before we don't we're not the only time we do really turkey is uh Thanksgiving Oh, it's a completely different beast. Like, yeah. I highly recommend. I think you would like it if, if it, yeah. Anyway, I do. So I do, Um, I haven't done it, but really the original recipe is like, um, is like you grate the shallots, mm. which is a better form of red onion, mm. cousin, cousin of the red onion, but really pungent, but sweet. Um, shallots, you grate it in like daikon oroshi mitaina. So you mm. grate it in a lot. And um, we've actually replaced the um, bread flour, not bread flour, the panko breadcrumbs mm. with uh, almond flour mm. for those low carb. <laughs> mm. um, and that's, that's the binder. And then you don't have to put in an egg, but salt and pepper. And then traditionally, the original recipe calls for that lovely brioche bun, mm. and then mixed greens as mixed greens. Definitely a layer of cheese. It could be any type of cheese, just not that, not just not that orange American cheddar. <laughs> um, but usually Gruyere or Gouda or yeah, what have you. And then and then it has the cranberry mayo relish. Mm. This, which is cranberry sauce with mayo, and I know that's not your thing, but it, it that it, that that whole bundle is really yummy. Mm. Oh, this highly recommend well, turkey. Next, next time I visit, mm. I mm. awesome. Well, this was very interesting conversation. Yeah, I think this is a um yeah, this is this is this, this was a good one. I think. <laughs> We think this is a yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye King. Bye-bye King. <laughs>